Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. Hello and welcome to episode, I think it's episode 18 of the Fighting Cop podcast. I'm joined on the line by Ewan Flynn. How you doing, mate? Very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really well, thank you. And if you don't know, Ewan is uh, an author, well, he's an author. He, he, this is Sunday League. We are Sunday League. What one is Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, well <laughs> I just thought it might, just as we were starting there, I was thinking, shit, I better plug the book. <laughs> we, <laughs> we are Sunday League, but also um, uh, a, a journalist and writer in, in, in his own right. And we've also got Spooky, how you doing, mate? I'm, I'm good, Will. I'm good, Will. I can't even articulate yeah. myself. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, mate. Great start to the podcast. Um, I, I, I guess... Um, <laughs> Having a drink off the finishing work, man. It's always the way. And it well, I love it. It's, it's, it's ahead. a bit of lubrication, isn't it? Um, we are uh, in the middle of an international break, so it's always difficult to find things to talk about when Spurs are not playing. But there's been massive news in, in, in domestic football in that uh, Newcastle have been bought out by what is essentially, as I understand it, and I don't know if you guys know any better, so correct me if I'm wrong, but a commercialisation of the Saudi Arabian government uh, with the view that uh, Newcastle will get or will at least be a beneficiary of an unbelievable sum of money. Like this isn't Manchester City's, you know, types of money. This is 10 or 20 times the amount that the Man City sort of board have to spend. And it kind of I had a moment of reflection when I was sort of thinking about what was going on and what the impact of this takeover, takeover might have on the Premier League, but more importantly, Tottenham. Because, um, you know, you think a takeover another football club doesn't really mean anything to another club other than the fact that they might have a bit more money. But this seems a little bit more seismic than um, than a normal takeover. Anyway, yeah. so, you know, we, we're going to chat through that and what our thoughts are about this takeover and what it means for Spurs, what it means to Daniel Levy. What, like, where do we go from here? Like that? What does Enoch have to do to compete? Because he's got to compete with Newcastle. He's got to compete with Man City and, and Chelsea and, and United. And we haven't done thus far. And there's another player who's come into the fore who is going to disrupt everything, or every plan that Daniel Levy has had. And whether that plan means that Spurs are going to compete for the league title ever again, or whether we're going to just plateau and, and, and maintain our position as a sort of maybe top four football club, but not really. Anyway, uh, in order to get to the point where we can discuss this issue, we need to go back to the beginning of the Premier League. And that's where Ewan comes in, because you wrote an article, didn't you, Ewan, recently, in the, in, during lockdown, about Tottenham's role in the formation of the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think sort of people who have maybe been watching the, the BBC documentary series about the early years of the Premier League 
might have seen some of this stuff. It's really good. It's on BBC Two. Yeah, it's really, it it's really great. Yeah. So I think I think it's sort of important to say that the Premier League, you know, we we were one of five clubs that really pushed for a breakaway. Um, Spurs, Arsenal, the two Liverpool clubs, so Everton and Liverpool and, and Manchester United were then the, the big five. And those five clubs pushed for a breakaway because the old football league that had been running for over 100 years, you know, their their TV deal was that all money that came in through TV would be shared out equally throughout throughout all four divisions. And the big five clubs, as was then, didn't want that anymore. Um, so the Premier League was basically set up as a way of those big five clubs maximising income. So that's that's the origins of the Premier League. That's what it boils down to. And Spurs were so critical in all of that. Um, the chairman at the time was Irving Scholar, um, but Alan Sugar uh, took over in 1991 when, when the club was in serious financial distress. And Alan Sugar's role in, in the whole episode, which I think is is maybe a little bit glossed over in the BBC documentary, um, Alan Sugar had a, a really clear interest in making sure that Sky, rather than ITV, won the TV deal because Alan Sugar made the satellite dishes that millions of people who were going to switch over to Sky to watch football uh, would need. So These are, Sugar- these are what, what previously were... You know, if if you're driving around London now or anywhere in in the UK, and um, you're looking at Sky Dishes, it's um, they're, they're, you know they're sort of oval shaped. But is it is it right in, in saying that Sugar's dishes, uh, like the B Sky B uh, dishes, were sort of square? So there were t- so initially there were two companies uh, rivaling to to launch um, satellite TV in Britain. One was called BSB, and they had a thing called the Square Reel. And the other was Sky, which is Rupert Murdoch. Um, so, what did what did um, what what did Alan Sugar? What was his role in 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 the sort of manufacturing of the dishes? So, Sky's did a deal with Alan Sugar that he would he would provide oh, okay. the dishes. So, Rupert Murdoch was very keen that Alan Sugar buy Spurs. Um, and as it turned out, when when the voting came to whether Sky or ITV would, would get the dishes. Unsurprisingly, Alan Sugar voted that... Sorry, whether Sky or ITV would get the, the Premier League rights. Unsurprisingly, Alan Sugar uh, voted for Sky. So, that, so Murdoch uh, essentially knew that he needed a player at the table and convinced Alan Sugar to buy Spurs. And Alan Sugar knew that he would benefit, his company directly would benefit from that deal being made. Exactly. Sounds... Pretty simple, doesn't it? And pretty wrong, but that that is exactly how it worked out. But it also it also feels so similar, so 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 um, relevant now to, to to modern day, where the business aspect of owning a football club is more important than what is actually happening on the pitch, and yeah. the investment in um, the playing staff and 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 how we play and and, and the, the manager in charge. And actually, in Sugar's position here, is the only reason he bought. Um, Tottenham was because, and he remains a, sh- a shareholder at Spurs, was because it benefited him financially, and it was nothing to do with his intentions for the football club. Perhaps is that a fair thing to say, or is that too broad a jump? Well, uh, so very interestingly, you know, Sugar um, in his in his tome-like autobiography uh, speaks about how, as a 
as a young man. Um, his uncle would take him to Spurs and, you know, it was in the family. But, you know, almost on the same page, he then says how when he was a youngster, he was working every Saturday, so never had time for Spurs. So something doesn't quite add up in his backstory, I'd say. I'd, I'd go definitely go that far. I don't and, think any of, any of us look at Alan Sugar and think, yeah, he's a fan of Spurs at all. I don't. Do you, yeah. do you speak? No. I mean, he just he just he just says it to wind up Karen Brady. It's just it's all a bit of bravado, and obviously, former chairman, he's got that affiliation, that connection with the club. Like most people involved in football, you know, players get signed, and suddenly they're joining their boyhood club. It's the same with Sugar. You know, he he's got where he where he is because of people like that are, are built in a certain way, wild wired in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he's full of blag and bullshit. Um, I mean, he, he self-admitted that um, back in the days when he was selling uh, stuff on the on market stalls and the rest of it. So, yeah, I, I, I was outside the high courts, mate, smashing Amstrad computers. <laughs> so don't, I'm the wrong person to be asking. <laughs> Is this about what, what 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 made you say that like, for people that don't know? You know, I was just uh, when uh, Terry Venables uh, and Alan Sugar ended up in the high court over. Over the finances and over the ownership, and 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 Terry Venables trying to buy back his share or, or buy out Sugar, and it ended up in a complete mess. Um, yeah, you think if you if like if you're um you know you if you're currently in the Enoch out sort of camp, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be, and I completely understand people who are Enoch out. If you think the clubs run ban- badly now, think back to when Terry Venables, our manager and our chairman in court battling each other while Spurs were going for FA Cup glory. Off the pitch, you've got our manager and our chairman at loggerheads. I mean, there's no vision, no future, no no foresight to what might happen to the fans' feelings and what might happen to the football club. You've got two individuals who are just trying to make their bread, trying to make sure that they, they come out of that situation as financially wealthy as possible. One was our manager in Terry Venables, who's celebrated. He's celebrated. You know, we love him because he won us the FA Cup the last time we won it. But there was a very awkward situation. The club was, was you know, the, the Tottenham Hotspur wasn't at the forefront of either of their minds at this moment. It was their own personal gain. And um, because Terry Venables lost that court case, he did, didn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, he lost, he lost the court case. That, that we kind of yeah. look at him as still as like one of our, our you know. Well, the, the irony is that, um, and again, I'm, I'm not doing this justice because I, I can barely remember the timeline, genuinely. It was so long ago. I remember the emotions attached to it, but the thing that came out of it long after was the realisation that Venables was actually in the wrong and he was the one uh, misleading us yeah. and, and others yeah, with the finances. And it was Sugar that was actually came across as the, the, the true businessman and the one trying to protect the investment and and, and the football club. So it was uh yeah, it was it was a difficult time because well, you just align yourself to to someone, like you said, uh, a gaffer who, who led you to FA Cup glory and, and someone who's a football man through and through that played for the club. So Well and and, and and if you remember around the period that Spurs' financial mismanagement or the, the owner's financial mismanagement led us to um, I think was it ninety two season where we had twelve points deducted. There was a fine, and, out the and, well, yeah. and we were kicked out of the that FA happened. Cup. And can you imagine Twitter was... now? Can you imagine that... Twitter now? If you and do you remember that? Today? Oh, I know. yeah. 
That was actually at the start of the the ninety four ninety five season. Oh, was it so, then? Yeah. yeah. So that the, the 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 it was dealing with sort of historical financial mismanagement. That was why the FA imposed that. And, what, uh, what, and, what 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 was that financial mismanagement? Do you know? Well, so part of it was to do with Spurs had been when they were signing players and negotiating contracts had been making sort of uh, loan payments to players almost like financial inducements, but off the books to avoid tax and things like that. So Brown I think, yeah, fairly common practice within football. And, um, you know, even the Teddy Sheringham transfer, there was talk about money changing hands at a service station uh, between um, Spurs and... Is, and this, uh, is this stuff that, that's been written down previously that you've read or you... Like, no, no, I remember that. This is this has been well documented. Yeah, okay, good, no, that's, good. yeah, yeah. That, that is the yeah, allegedly <laughs> it's yeah. history now. Yeah, so that that was why um, Spurs were with dot points at the start of the season. And Alan Sugar's response to that because I think for him his investment was then in serious trouble because if Spurs had been relegated, which which that points deduction was more than likely to ensure happened, you know, if you're out of the Premier League you're in a lot of trouble financially. So his response was to then go and sign Jürgen Klinsmann. And, and that's kind of what was the motivation for the Klinsmann signing. And eventually the points uh, deduction was overturned and we were reinstated into the FA Cup. But yeah, yeah. as I remember it, and I remember like wild, not wild celebration, but there was like a very carnival atmosphere at White Hart Lane when that was announced. I think it was announced on the day of a certain game. I can't remember what it was, but I remember being a kid. I would have been about 14, 15 at the time. Yeah. And remember the news come through that not only the 12 points got overturned, and that may have happened previously. I think it was a staggered approach to dealing with these penalties. But I don't even think we paid a fine. I think nothing in the end happened to us, um, which is an interesting sort of, uh, what would you call it? Like a a premonition of, of what happens in the future where the clubs today don't face penalties for abusing financial fair play. And if they do, they find a way around it. They get they get targeted or they get banned from European competitions or they get transfer window bans. And there's, it's always on appeal lessened and, and, and less severe than originally it should be. And perhaps originally it should be harsher than, 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 it, than it was before. But... I just want to go back before we move on to modern day, because all this conversation right now is leading us to a situation where um, the game isn't like it used to be. And Spurs' role in this is significant. Um, So to go back to Scholar again, who's the chairman before Sugar, he was the first chairman to, um, we were the first football club to ever float on the stock exchange as a public public limited company, which gave us huge amounts of, uh, or, or a certain amount of income. And um, you can raise money by floating on the stock exchange. And Daniel Levy's done that with Enoch previously to raise money. Um, but we were the first team to do it in Europe and almost every major club across the continent followed us. But our uh, our chairman scholar, sort of, uh, uh, although he was a visionary, not a positive influence i think on football as a whole but as a business as what football uh, as what tottenham has has become and, and what all these other clubs have become it was visionary it was he did see the way football was going although he didn't necessarily predict how explosive the premier league would become but what can you tell us about scholars time and that period if anything ewan 
But I think, yeah, I think Scholar is someone who was ahead of the game. He was a, you know, a genuine Spurs fan. He's got an encyclopedic knowledge of the club, uh, followed them as a boy, but, you know, was was a, a property man. That was kind of where he'd made his fortune uh, and then lived, I believe, in Monaco, which tells you something about him. Um, but, yeah, he... PLC diversified, so Spurs started to invest in in things beyond football, and that that income from other businesses. So it was a ticketing system. Um, I believe they invested in like a women's clothing range. Uh, they also became the distributor for Hummel Sportswear throughout the UK. So Spurs sort of would sell Hummel, um, not Spurs product, but Hummel product to sports shops. Um, yeah, so they diversified, but not all of those um, businesses were a success. And that obviously affected the share price and that got Spurs into financial difficulties. And I think at the time uh, Alan Sugar came in, we we owed something like £11 million to, to the Midland Bank. So it was really, really serious. And, and Sugar, you know, did step in at that point where the club was really in danger of, of going to the wall. So yeah, that that's a potted history, I guess, of Irving Scala. <laughs> it, it, it would may it may have been that um, Sugar saw the opportunity based on what he knew Murdoch was planning with um, Sky, and knew that if there was going to be a a kind of explosion in, of interest in domestically of the Premier League and with it Tottenham, that Sugar should own a a major football club, and if the opportunity was there, as it appeared Spurs were there, you know we were primed for takeover when sugar to you know spent the money and cleared our debts um that uh that that you know it made sense for him to be there and... oh, definitely definitely that's the case and uh murdoch was i might have said this right at the beginning but murdoch was on the phone to sugar and sugar said this himself in articles with with the times newspaper sugar ha- was getting regular calls from murdoch asking him are you going to buy spurs so there's no doubt that that the two of them were were in cahoots. And, you know, Sugar himself, Amstrad had released... Uh, so Amstrad is Alan Michael Sugar Trading. Uh, that's what it sort of stands for. And Amstrad had built home computers and they're sort of... In, they've been phenomenally successful at, at bringing computers into people's homes. But they're, towards the late 80s, the latest computer that they brought out had, had really had a lot of design problems with it and had tanked. So Sugar needed a new new product to sell, and that satellite dishes were were basically Amstrad salvation. So if we were a massive part of the formation of the Premier League, and 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 there isn't there's a certain irony with this in in that Spurs weren't like I mean financially in terms of the, the amount of eyes on the football club, the, the size of the football club, we should be in the conversation, but on the pitch. We shouldn't be. And the same with the Super League recently. There's no reason why Tottenham should have been involved in that conversation other than the fact that we are a global brand that, that people all over the world watch. No matter where, whatever country you go in, you'll see someone in a Spurs shirt or at least they'll know about Tottenham Hotspur if you talk, talk to them. But we, we, we shouldn't, by rights, you know, to, to, you know, depends on what happens on the pitch, we shouldn't be in the conversation. And yet we find ourselves as a major part of whatever ever happens in domestic football. And I don't think that's a positive thing. But Newcastle United have just been bought out. And like I said at the top of the show, 
they are rich beyond anyone's wildest dreams. I don't think there'll be a benefactor who comes into a football club that will ever have as much money as... They've probably been bought by the richest people on the planet. Short of... I don't know, what, what's Jeff Bezos as an individual is worth a certain amount, but is it as much as the Saudi government? Or I keep saying Saudi government. I don't know what the makeup is of that takeover. If it's, it has to be a company. It can't be a country that buys it's a football. Fund. It's a, a public investment fund. So I, I guess it's a consortium of sorts. If it's uh, there's, there's probably several billionaires that have put money into into financing it. Um, so it's not an individual, is it? It's it's a fund which makes it even well, more worry, ridiculous. What a worrying thing is billionaire. You and what's your understanding of it? Yeah, no. So uh, mine's yeah, like Spooky said. So it's there's these the Rubin brothers who are financiers. Um, then there is supposedly, and that's why the Premier League have now ratified it. Whereas a year ago they they wouldn't. Is that there's the Saudi sort of prince's involvement has been shown that it's it alleged you know the way the premier league are justifying it they're saying that they're satisfied that it's not the saudi arabian government it's it's this investment fund i mean that's obviously total bollocks where does he get his money from you mm. know uh, clearly that's what's going on just in the same way with manchester city or with paris saint germain you know they're clearly nation states sort of acting through these investment vehicles and it's it's sports washing what else can it be it's yeah it's nonsense but that's how the premier league are justifying it okay so so obviously it puts ourselves in ourselves in a, in, a, in a kind of difficult position like not the let's let's put aside the ethical situations we need to talk about that a little bit and i want to but at the moment um you know spurs find themselves well outside the top four in terms of you know what we could potentially project our season to be, but outside the top six, and this is adding another club to the um, the, the the main players in the Premier League. It's there's seven now, and really there's five because Spurs and Arsenal can't compete with the other four. So what, what what's your feeling about what Newcastle could potentially do, Spook? Win, win the league, win the Champions League. Within how long? <laughs> Within three years, two? No, maybe a little bit longer. I mean, it depends on how how they go about their business. You see, the the thing with the way modern football works right now, the the way it works right now is that footballers, led by their super agents, will follow the the, the money train. It's as simple as that. Let's forget about oh, we want to win silverware. You're going to win silverware if you go to a club that can pay you 400 grand uh, uh, a week, 300 grand a week. If you're getting paid that amount of money, you're going to a football club that can make that money back, pay you that money, and compete in the Champions League and win, and win titles. It's nobody else. Who, who pays that kind of, that kind of money and, and doesn't attain success? So you have these clubs that are... Uh, their projects they don't have to be big clubs with heritage and traditions and I know every every fan base is going to say our club has that even if they're in the lower leagues and fair enough I'm not trying to disrespect all football clubs but in, in terms of modern football in terms of competing in the Premier League the clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City and Newcastle were, were not clubs that have organically got to the stage where they can be competing maybe Chelsea believe it or not, with the way they were bringing in 
uh, Rui Hulli and Viali, and they, they had Hoddle as manager, and they, they were trying something different. But then when the money landed, that was it. Any footballer would want to go there. And not only players that would go straight into the first team, but there'd be proper world-class players sitting on the bench because the money they're earning. So suddenly you've got a squad that's robust enough to, to win things consistently. You can rotate the manager. You can have a season off and come back and win the league. And Chelsea have done that. City in this in the same boat. They gradually got to where they needed to be in order to create that culture. They got the right manager in. Newcastle will follow the same thing. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean they would do the right thing as, it, as they're attempting to. They could still fuck it up, but with that amount of money, you'd be hard pressed not to. So what essentially happens now is that the pool of players that Tottenham should be competing for will not join Tottenham because they think, well, hold on a minute. They're paying me 150 grand more than you're offering me. You're not. You're, you've got a wage structure. They haven't. I'll see you later. Mm. And I know I'm generalising here, but it, it does. Well, it's and this is nothing. It's nothing new because you, you. We were speaking about the Premier League. Like the Premier League fundamentally was a slow brooding Super League. Okay, we the the clubs that were in the Premier League were slowly doped by TV money. You had the Champions League that launched not long after, and we were all financially doped. Right, okay. I'm, I'm just, football is, is just a sport of hypocrisy at the end of the day. Yeah, and we, we, you know, New, New, Newcastle fans will rationalise what's happened to them and they will look away from the human rights stuff and what can they do about that and whatever else. But it is a cheat mode. And, in, and it's cheap to call it a cheat mode, but it is. So I you would take away... Um, Clubs like Tottenham and Arsenal, who have tried to do it the right way, but seem to have been constrained by the the, the building of the stadiums and the rest of it, that we're just not really going to be able to compete um, no. at that same level. We have to do what we keep doing now, and, and just quickly, and I'll pass the mic to someone else. But just quickly, when you actually think about it, we ha- we have overachieved over the years, and we, we, you probably need to say. For us to always be in that discussion, you know, you say, why, why are Tottenham being mentioned in the, for the Super League? Why do Spurs get mentioned? Why are they always like pioneers or innovators, but then don't quite get through the door? It's because somehow, even within all the mismanagement, we're doing something right. We find ourselves in, in these patches where we compete and we shouldn't be competing because we don't spend the money. We haven't got the same levels of money. And when we get a really good team, we can't consolidate because we just don't have that, that experience and, and that cash behind us to do it. So we've been on the edge for so long now, and we're going to be bad an analogy, actually, because we're going to get pushed off, pushed off it, and we're going to fucking end up drowning, because Newcastle now will just sign anyone that we would be interested in. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it, it is a worry uh, on... Or, you know, in terms of sort of a professional level, but Ewan, what do you think of the the ethical takeover of, of of Newcastle? What does it actually mean? Why might people be angry? And and actually, more pertinent, if it happened to Spurs, do you think our fan base would actually give a shit, or would they look towards the the glorious future that we would absolutely achieve by having Saudi money involved in the football club? Why aren't there many? Newcastle fans, as far as I can see, saying we're opposed to this takeover. 
Right, so I'll try and take those in a, in a few different parts, if that's okay. I think, you know, the ethical question really should be the most important one. I know we all think football, you know, is is everything, but but some things are more important. And if you haven't seen it and you don't know about Jamal Khashoggi, I'd really recommend the, the documentary called The Dissident, which I think you can watch on, on Amazon Prime, which kind of tells you what happened to him and how he ended up being chopped up into little pieces, you know. That's, that's literally what happened to him at the hands of uh, the regime that's that's just bought Newcastle United. So, do you? Do I, you I, sorry, you go. Well, I'm just asking. Do you, do you do you think they actually give a shit? Like, like, like I, I completely agree with how abhorrent this is and how the Saudi Arabian government or a. a uh, subsidiary of the Saudi Arabian government has been able to buy a Premier League football club in order to improve the global image of Saudi Arabia and what they're doing over there. Like, forget all the beheadings, forget fucking women being having to go through all the things that they've had to go through out, out in Saudi Arabia and, and uh, the journalists, that, as you said, and, and it's fair to say, and it's crass to say, chopped up, um, that... That that we're in a situation where those things don't necessarily matter to football fans because fundamentally, as and I'm not just saying Newcastle fans, I'm talking about Spurs, Arsenal, whoever. If it was happened to their football club, they just wouldn't care. I, I genuinely, genuinely believe. What do you think? See, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think Newcastle is an exceptional situation in that. The fan base there have been so uh, disenfranchised and disenchanted with Mike Ashley for so long that there's almost an unquestioning glee for anyone to take over. And and that, I think, has resulted in in the reaction that we've seen from Newcastle fans above and beyond how it would be at another club. I do think, yeah, of course, there is an element in any fan base that would just say, wow, here's a windfall that's going to ensure that we... I think think it'd be the majority in most fan bases. And that's not Honestly, me, that's not you, yeah. and that's not spooky, but I, I feel like the vast majority of Spurs fans wouldn't give a shit as long as it meant that Saudi money was going to come in and we but could buy Mbappe. But what, what, what's football about then? Yeah, exactly. Like if, if football is literally waiting for someone like this to buy you out in mm. order to guarantee you're going to win something, and, then literally, and that is the key to unlock the door at the moment, yeah. to be bought out... And, and and often, like I've I've been thinking about this because you're right. You, what you're saying is correct, and I said it earlier. We're hypocrites, okay? And you find ways to kind of bend bend the rules of engagement when it comes to football. So let's say we got Levy sold the club to an American consortium, okay? And then they come in and they just say, right, we're just we're gonna we're gonna have no wage structure here. We'll be able to sign all the players that we need to sign. They will they will still need to do that within the constraints of, of the, the club being in debt and, and and being a business. Okay, so somehow we would have to do that organically. So really, theoretically speaking, that would take a long time because that's what Levy's meant to be doing, just gradually building up the revenue for us to be able to kind of shift the the the, the boundaries a little bit further for us to compete organically but so it's, it's, but, but, it, it, that progression is so slow it's compared. so slow exactly but doesn't hurt their investment and this is the problem people have this is why people are frustrated because they're thinking you know we've got the stadium and, and hotspur way and, and i know a lot of people go oh, well, 
stick that in your trophy cabinet, mate. Yeah, actually, stick it in the trophy cabinet because this is the workplace for these footballers to, to come to. We've got state-of-the-art stadium and training facility. We have the foundation. What we're not doing is behaving like a big club. We're, we're just we're still behaving like a, 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 a club since teenage years, locked in its room reading comics. Just mm-hmm. fucking grow up, right? And and it's just the reality of business, okay? Um, but if you get bought out by someone like like this lot of uh, Newcastle, okay, that personally, I'd be incredibly uncomfortable with that. I mean, I was I was willing to walk away from it um, when we were room or when we tried uh, pathetically um, to, to go to Stratford, and that was just fucking Stratford, just a few miles up the road from Tottenham. Um, but even that felt. Uh, it, that it was, it wasn't the sincere thing, or maybe I'm being naive. Maybe, maybe you know, we should just admit that the the football that we understand isn't the same thing anymore. And this 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 game of chess that top tier elite clubs are playing is now on another level. It's literally about it's about having untold millions and billions to be able to then buy the the best players. What will happen with Newcastle? It's probably it probably be one or two seasons of transition where they're building up. They're proving to the world that they're being managed properly. Like Mbappe and all these other players are not going to just sign for Newcastle tomorrow. There has to be something there for them to go to. And they will gradually build up to that, like Chelsea did, like City did. And then, wallop, it's done. It'd be those those clubs fighting each other for the best players in the world. And 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 and, and it's 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 not for, it's not in what where's the enjoyment in that truly and i get the newcastle supporters want that release I, I get it but a lot of them probably haven't got the the the, the botheredness to, to to educate themselves on the human rights stuff and everything else they know it's out of their hands and some would no doubt will try and posture and say well we want to see evidence of this you know um you know, there's Jewish people involved in the in in the in the uh, public investment fund. So people saying, well, that that means these Saudis are all right. Actually, don't, don't worry about everything else they've done in their lives. They've made they're making a difference here. The fact that Premier League has validated it as well, that the Premier League has validated the takeover. So legally, there's nothing wrong with it. So so supporters are going to play dumb and they're going to take their their, their their day in the sun. Like what? The whole thing's a mess. But it's football now. We, 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 like, and that's the point of talking about all that stuff at the beginning is that we were the precursors of this and we can't complain when the chickens come home to roost. Ewan, can you, um, you got anything to say about anything that Spooky's just said there? I feel like you're, you're waiting. I think, you know... I said a lot, mate. I, I apologise. <laughs> I'm on one. It's good stuff. And the fact that, that Newcastle fans have had such a tough time with Mike Ashley I've got I've got sympathy for them but that doesn't that doesn't let them off the hook you know it clearly this has been done by the Saudi Arabian regime through this investment fund sort of smokescreen uh, as a way of rehabilitating rehabilitating Saudi Arabia you know on the on the international stage so Newcastle fans if let's put it this way if the Newcastle stadium if St James's Park is empty what sort of message would that send to the world? That'd be a fantastic message. It'd be it'd be, it'd be amazing, but it's never going to happen. No, it's impossible. It, but you know, fans do have choices to make. And well, yeah, I, well, they can make that choice. But we'll, yeah. I hope, and I agree. I hope, but you don't believe that that's going to happen, Ewan. 
but but why not? Where where are we in the world if we just say everything is a fate accompli? You know, there's no hope. That's the, where the, we the, are. The, that's what, that's exactly yeah, where I, we are. <laughs> well, but, you know, Blackpool fans, they had these terrible owners called the Oystons, who basically the the chairman, and this is a fact, was a, a convicted uh, rapist. You know, and and the fans had, had had enough of the Oyston ownership sort of screwing the club. And they stayed away. They stayed away for four years. But, but did they well, stay away when, when they were going up in the leagues? They didn't. No, no, no. And that, that is a fair point. And, that is a fair point. And I really hope, I really hope that, that I, I I wish I had as much faith as I, uh, in, in humanity as you do, Ewan. I really do. But I just did not. The Newcastle fans don't, they don't give a shit. They're, they're maybe 5% of them do. And if 5% of them stay away from the ground, no one will notice. All Newcastle fans are interested in right now, and I guarantee you this, because I know this is exactly what Spurs fans would be like, and any other football club fans, any other football club would be like, is they ignore all of the the shit that's going on in Saudi Arabia. They don't know about it. They, like half of Newcastle fans probably didn't know they couldn't put Saudi Arabia on the map if you gave them, uh, you, you know, a, a map to put a pin in. They wouldn't know where to put it. They don't know about it. Don't care. They don't care. You do, Ewan, because you're intelligent and you're you're um, educated and just uh, yeah, but also also like kind-hearted enough to give a shit. And there's not enough people to give a shit, and that's that's the issue. And this is not about Spurs fans being bitter or fans of other fans being bitter because Newcastle got everything. What they've got is abhorrent, absolutely abhorrent. And the the shame on our game is that. Newcastle fans and any and it isn't just them. Any fans of any football club, that's my opinion, will just go along and celebrate everything. If they sign Mbappe, they wouldn't give a shit about how many women were stoned to death. They wouldn't. But the, but the truth of that that is, Newcastle fans, like all football fans, have no agency in who owns their clubs, and that that is a problem. So the Newcastle fans hasn't haven't really had a choice in this happening to their club. I know, I know clearly. A seemingly happy about it but they don't have any control over that yeah and we, you know and that's true for all football fans we're, we're just victims really of the whims of of nation states now who want to build their reputations and, and what can we do we've invested our whole lives in supporting clubs so yeah it is easy for me to say stay away and i i hope new, some newcastle fans might stay away but yeah i would find it really difficult to sort of actively support Tottenham yeah. if they were owned by a murderous regime and I don't think that's an unreasonable thing <laughs> to no, it's completely reasonable it's, it's, it's completely reasonable of sound mind it's, it's exactly where most decent human beings would find themselves and even you know fans of a football club would find themselves like even even the ones that will still go to watch Newcastle play will also agree with the sentiment that you've just expressed it's not unreasonable at all, but Mbappe will sign for Newcastle, and that will mean more to them than than a distant crime from another part of the world. That is another point because we are at the moment for the first time, sort of in a long time, footballers have shown themselves to sort of be willing to stick their heads above the the parapet and speak out on you know important issues, be it sort of racism, homophobia. Again, um, this is good. Yeah, so. So we need, you know, our, our players. We need Mbappe to say no. Yeah, I won't go there. Yeah, they need, exactly. You know, they can, like Spook said. Obviously, they're going to 
be offered maybe 400 grand to now play at Newcastle rather than 200 grand to play at wherever. Well, let's see. Do some of them are some of them willing to say no? Actually, this is this is not right. I love that. I love that. that. I love that. Imagine, imagine that, Ewan. Right? Imagine that Mbappe has the option to sign for Real Madrid for 200 grand or Newcastle for 400 because it would be that level of increase in wages that would convince him to go to fucking. I mean, I, I have no. I mean, no disrespect to Newcastle at all, but fuck me, would I not want to live there, right? So if you imagine if you're Mbappe, like he's he, he would he, it would it would be a, like a seismic increase in wages in order to convince him to go there. For for him, it doesn't mean much because there are super clubs around around Europe that can afford to pay him wages that he could never spend in a lifetime, and he's at PSG earning a god knows how much, so he's already rich beyond belief and he's only in his early 20s and so PSG are pretty much a team that got got created in the 70s yeah indeed yeah. And, and because it's of, not even a, 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 a club with any legacy or history it's, it's basically a creation and they're, they're hated in France and, and quite obviously it's about money again they, they, they're having the success they have because of the money that's there, yeah. So, but my point, oh, my point I was going to make is that is that Mbappe has all the money, and when you have all the money, then you 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 are able to take a step back and make a moral judgment. You can put yourself up. Well, on, yeah. I what, mean, but but you can you'd hope so. You'd hope so, yeah. But that's what I'm getting I'd to is so. you, you you can put yourself up on the pedestal. You can and say, do you know what? I won't join Newcastle because women are still being stoned to death over there. So. And that it would take something like that to dismantle what's happening at Newcastle right now if multiple players say no, in the same way that they're taking the knee. And exactly what, what you... And the reason I'm making this point is because what you just said, they're, they're taking the knee. They're, there is a moral um, the, standard that, the, they're, that they're taking here. And Flav, can they the take pro- it against... Yeah, but the problem is like, that we are morally corrupt as as as. as, as people yeah but they've been forced across no no i agree with you I agree with you but the 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 culture around in social media and, and what's happening in mm. the world and, and cancel culture and and making yeah. sure that everyone's sort of towing the line towards decency which is a positive thing would it's a player selective. it is selective but would a player given the fact that they've felt so adamant about taking knee and how important that is yeah then go and do something that has no relation to what's been going on you know, the, you know, in terms of taking the knee or wherever it might be, throw all of that in the bin. Is that and and that would be the, anyone who joins um, Newcastle in this instance would be throwing away any kind of moral standing that they've they've placed themselves in. Yeah, without doubt. Will, will they do it? And if they do, that could be the answer to everybody's problems. The footballers well, that, could be could be the answer. Yeah, I mean, if you had a player revolt of sorts, which would be... We're not joining them. We're not joining them. Imagine that. <laughs> the, thi- the thing is, it'd be like a Black Mirror episode because you're talking about footballers that rely on, on their super agents to, to broker all these deals. Can you imagine a, a, an agent saying to a footballer, nah, don't, don't go to Newcastle and earn that. Just of course not. Talk them. Like it's, it's, the whole thing is so everything's so fragmented. I mean, you look at China and you look at the way Hollywood and the NBA are cucks for China because the amount of money that's there is to do with money. They don't give a shit about the, 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 the human rights issues out in China. You know, that can be dismissed 
and 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 just swept under the carpet because it's to do with the, the amount of money they can make from sports and 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 the rest of it. Yeah. But this government has, has a, a long history of selling arms um, to Saudi Arabia and arms that end up in the hands of terrorists, and it's just this machine. I'm not going to go get too political here, but my point is, there's just a, a machine at play. It's just it's business. You know, they're, 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 it's, it's just functioning parts. And and, and that... if you if you got a country, if you got if you got your own government that you that you know, and again, who who goes out and talks about this? No, no one talks about the 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 the, the industry, the war machine, <laughs> the, the fact that we need wars in order to to make money and to budget for for everything. This it, it, everything is 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 on display it's showcased in life you look at, you just watch the news or read an article about something you can see that there's a lot of shit going on that we we are blind to because we can't influence it you know and you get people that get really deep into this and go well you own an iphone what about the suicide nets in their factories or the sneakers you're wearing and the sweatshops and, and like you can you can go mad because suddenly you're fucking walking around naked. Yeah, but there's a you know straight I mean? line. Living in a forest. Yeah, of course, but, of course. But there's a straight it, line from this to to. No, I know. I, my point is, in, in terms of clarity, when it's, it's when it's something directly impacting you. So if it happened to Tottenham, if they were gonna because there was a rumor that I do not believe for a second that we were looking to sell the club to them, right? Okay, Levy was actively looking to sell the club to them. I do not believe that for a second. Um, well, why? Why I, would they? Why would they buy us for three billion when they can buy Newcastle for three hundred million? Yeah, and I mean, get all that, of the successes that, it doesn't make any sense at all. That, no, it doesn't make sense. hundred percent. But imagine that did play out. I mean, we we keep asking this this question. Imagine that does play out. I I can't talk about anyone else, but I can speak for myself, and I'd have to walk away from it because then it, it makes me a hypocrite. It's making me a hypocrite to to find a reason. And I get what you and I get what you're saying. We're not at fault. It is our club. It's our life. We talk about Tottenham every day. All my best mates are Spurs supporters. It's literally it's, my it, livelihood. It, like, what would yeah, I do? It, what, what, what could it, I? Exactly. Like, you, if we, I we if are... I walk away from from Spurs because a, a Saudi government has taken over the football club, I've got to literally. Think about how I feed the kids. How do I clothe them? How do I, you know, buy my like? I, I don't own a house, but if I want to buy one one day, how do I do that? Yeah, and yeah, that... no, exactly. Right. But it, it's 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 just it's it's to do with your mental health as well. Football is a great escapism. Okay, it keeps us active and distracted. Like l- life is is good for the most part, but there's also a lot of shit that we have to do in order to be able to live it at a, a decent level, right? And having football as an outlet is is incredible like you just you know i was back at spurs for the first time this season and i enjoyed being out in the bars and the pubs afterwards and and, and within the stadium and having a drink as much as i did the football yeah you know because it's it's that connection that you have so to to walk away from it because someone buys your club and it's completely out of your control that's a tough thing and it might be easier to play dumb it might be easier to go i don't care you know it, and 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 slowly, like with anything, time heals. Even these type of problems. You, you watch the way Sky jump jump onto Newcastle once Newcastle stop building up some they momentum. Won't, they won't give a shit. They won't. Yeah, give a they shit. won't because they're hypocrites as well. They're banging on about the European Super League when they are encouraging a Super League within the Premier League all the time. Right. So it. This is the. This is why it's so convoluted and messy to wrap your head around. 
Um, I hope Newcastle get relegated. I think that would be the best thing. That would be. That would it be. It would be fucking hilarious. Well, and, I mean, and, and it would solve a lot of problems. It would uh, make it make funny if they get relegated. It would make the, it make it more difficult for them to justify their their position fin- in terms of financial fair play. And we've got we're doing an interview tomorrow with a uh, he's a professor in football finances, and uh, we're going to be figuring out how yeah. Newcastle could navigate their way past financial fair play. But fundamentally, the rule is that they have two or three years to do what they want to build a squad before they have to start justifying their position. But <laughs> I mean, it's um, ridiculous. It is, it, is, it is a little bit ridiculous. But, They're going to um, be 200 million for Kane in, in the Jan window. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. That'll probably happen. Um, Ewan, I want to give you the final thought to this episode because this was inspired by um, the discussion we had previously about sort of Terry, Terry Venables and Scholar and, and that, that deal that meant that Spurs were a major player in the Premier League being formed. Uh, so I'll give you a moment to compose yourself and think about what you might <laughs> say. But but before that, that it is, it's pertinent what you said, Spooky, about um, the Super League was one thing and we thought that we'd beaten it. We thought that that was something, that it was a mad idea by people that wanted to get rich across Europe. And we thought that was, you know... We won. We, we, you know, across the board, broadcasters and fans and the, the, the football clubs, United, and how abhorrent that was. And yet we find ourselves with Newcastle being given all of the financial opportunities that mean that there will be a massive, massive football club, not just in England, but in, in Europe. And, and what that means is that the Premier League, as more and more oligarchs or governmental institutes come in and buy football clubs it means it's a closed shop for the rest of the football pyramid you know Newcastle will never be relegated again as long as this team exists and as long as the owners exist sorry they they won't be relegated and Spurs are not going to be relegated because we'll be mediocre but we've got enough going about us that we we can stay in the league and we we can buy certain players that will keep us in amongst it Arsenal will be the same and then you've got the top four clubs that exist already so there will be, in effect, a Super League, but it will be domestic. The pyramid will still stand, but it will make it harder and harder for teams that come up to compete because they can't compete. Um, Ewan, what, what, what are your thoughts? How, how, how can we round off this podcast? Cause it's been interesting. What, what... Yeah, I, I think it... It really shows the need for, I think, an independent football regulator that, that has oversight over the game and, what, and what's happening. Because, yeah, defeating the Super League did seem like a victory of sorts at, at the time. But, but maybe that was, it was just a mask for, for what's really happened to football and, and how fans have been completely dislocated from their clubs. That's what I, I think's happened, essentially. Um, you know, as I said sort of during the conversation, I, I don't wholly blame Newcastle fans I think it's pretty appalling those who are actively cheering it but you know it shouldn't have come down to this the Premier League should never have ratified this it shouldn't have been allowed to happen fans shouldn't be put in the position of somehow feeling some out of some sort of sense of misguided loyalty to Newcastle that they've now got to defend an appalling uh, regime you know that that just shouldn't be something that's that's imposed on fans and it's the Premier League's fault and it shouldn't have been allowed so we need we need an independent football regulator because the clubs themselves can't protect themselves that that's the 
the reality. There's just too much money in the game and people with interests that have nothing to do with football, nothing to do with the local community who have agendas. And and if we want anything of the football we grew up loving to exist for future generations, something fundamental has got to change. So, yeah, I think an independent regulator is long overdue, long, long overdue, and it has to happen. Thank you, Ewan. Thanks so much, mate, for... for- you know, coming on and, and expressing your thoughts. You, you, like, you, you express them in a way that a, a proper football fan should, and not one that I'm... I, I, we're, we're a similar a similar age, right? We're, I'm, how old are you? Uh, yeah, I just turned 40 this summer. Right, same, same, same here. I'm completely jaded and uh, withdrawn from the game and, and really think that it's we're moving to a point where it's going to be completely fucked. And, uh, and you're potentially not a bit more hopeful which is really encouraging to hear. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily more hopeful. I just think, you know, like like in wider society outside of football, there has to come a point where, you know, enough is enough and people say we want change, whatever it might be, climate change, you know. It's the players though, isn't it? For, in terms of football, it's the players. Like we talked about Mbappe refusing to join Newcastle or it, it, it's taking like there, there being a, a stand and there could be like a football wide stand against what's happened in Saudi Arabia. It would be as relevant as BLM in my, in my opinion, like the atrocities over there and their, their human rights um, record is, is, is awful. Like yeah. that they shouldn't be involved. They shouldn't be allowed. The Premier League shouldn't be a conduit to them improving their global platform and how they're viewed as a, as a state, that shouldn't be the case. So this is as worthy a cause as BLM and taking a knee. And I just wonder if the appetite's there. Is it there? I don't know. The problem is, Flav, just quickly, we've got a World Cup coming up. In Qatar? There's human rights. Yeah, I mean, there's human no rights g- issues This is there. what I'm saying. No one gives a shit. No yeah, one cares. Yeah. Do you know how many people died in the fucking formation yeah. of that World Cup? Yeah. They don't care. It's, it's it's embarrassing. But, but, it's shameful. But, but lots of people died um, because of the way they're treated when they're making iPhones, and I've got a new iPhone staring back at me. So this is what I mean about hypocrisy. You 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 you're select. Even even someone like me, and you know I'm a decent bloke. Even I'm selective with certain things. Mate, so we, does, this, we this, all this, are. This, we are. We we this all hypocrisy are. Hypocrisy bleeds into everyone. Unfortunately, it's just people how far you want to push yourself with uh, going go, the other way. Go on, you. I, I do think people do care. And when, when they've got access to the information, people do try and inform themselves and understand. Uh, but, but what agency have we got? That, that is the, I think there's just a sense of helplessness and a lack of power that there's so much money and such big interest. Like, how does a Newcastle fan, you know, influence global politics? It's, it's so difficult because, yeah, clubs have been wrestled away from, from the ordinary fan and yeah, how you ever get that back, I don't know. But I don't think it, it's that people are apathetic or, or don't care. It's just that people do not know how to... That's fair enough. These things. And I think that's true, you know, it, with bigger questions than, than just football. Fair enough. Um, I, I don't think we'll ever come to the right conclusion <laughs> here. <laughs> but um, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much, boys. Ewan? Our oh, pleasure. Uh, um, yeah. how, how do we find your work, mate? How, how, if people want to get in contact with you, how do they find you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter. Um, it's Lynn underscore Ewan. Uh, and how do you yeah, spell that? I, how do you spell that? Because they they're going to miss that. How, how do you spell yeah. Ewan? 
So Flynn is F-L-Y-N-N and Ewan, which my first name is E-W-A-N. It's a Scottish name. Lovely. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, boys. Spook, love you. And, love uh, you, man. Uh, we're, 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 we'll speak soon. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. 5X480. Dayton B100 V Belt, one of the many parts Granger carries. It's also the item that helped Rob carry the day. The job was on hold, deadline fast approaching. But a quick search on Granger.com and Rob found his part. And with same day pickup at his local branch, he and his crew got the job done safely and on time. Get supplies and solutions for every industry with real time product availability. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Look, my day job as a firefighter is tough, but my night job as a social media manager, my Persian cat Jinxie, that's intense. It's 8 p.m., I've finally gotten home from another 24-hour shift, and I just want to kick back with a cold one, but... Old Jinxie knocks my beer right off the counter and gives me that look that says, no drinking on the clock. But Heineken Zero Zero keeps us both happy. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I get my drink, and I can still work on Jinxie's new line of merch. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.